Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GNT Show where once again I'm joined by my co-host with the most. And before I introduce him this week, I wish to apologise. Normal service wasn't resumed as I promised last podcast. Uh, there were several reasons for that, not least of which was I was overseas this week. Expanding your carbon footprint, T. Whilst we may be able to blame that for the pod, I will introduce my co-host with the most, who provides the real reason we were late for this podcast. A man who this week was hospitalised after breaking his ass on the dance floor. Gee. Ne- never have a couple of drinks and dance when you've got a twinge. The twinge turns into a strain. We're wearing glitter. The glitter was all over the place. So b- busting a move on the dance floor, actually. And which which move were you pulling? The lawnmower, Michael Jackson's... The salt and pepper. The shake and bake. The sh- shake no. and bake, yeah. Salt and pepper. Push it. The push it move. Was it? Was I don't it? know what you call it. You know, you've got the two hands pumping up and down. And I always thought it would be embarrassing if I was on the dance floor as a middle-aged man with all these young people around me. If paramedics had to come and get me off the dance floor, how did no, you feel? No, not that quite. To you? I was I was outperforming the youngsters. Actually, the only thing that was missing was were you? Yeah, absolutely. Were you? I was oh, on fire. Oh. I was on fire. La- ladies and gentlemen, and I give you a man who's come up to this podcast dressed as Darth Vader for some strange reason that I don't know. It's cold. And, it's cold. Yeah, right. And and naturally, when he gets cold, he puts on black masks and all his uh, <coughs> cyber. Cybernetics. Darth Vader was was hanging out in the galaxy. It must get cold out there. So you know, I thought I'd dress the same. It's thermals. My 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 um universal thermals. We have got fifteen games to get through. The Eels are currently sixteen nil down against the Bulldogs. It's fantastic. <laughs> I can't believe this. It's a fucking miracle. <laughs> Mate, we are making you guys look like the two thousand and seven Melbourne Storm. We're going to make the semis after this. <laughs> it's sensational. <laughs> We got a cup. We got two rounds of footy to get through. Big news week or fortnight. But now, hopefully, if you can stay off the dance floor, and I've got very limited travel coming up, we will be able to get back to normal service. After we will. This. We can catch up with all the news, which is literally a season full of news in two in two weeks. Mate, you blink and you. This is what I said to you oh earlier God. in the season, right? You blink, you blink, and you miss it in the NRL. Oh, All right, geez. so let's start off the top. Let's start yes, with quickly. the big news. Yes. Let's do, well, I don't. I don't know how quick it's going to be because I've got a whole host of news to get through. But um, obviously two coaches sacked whilst I was away, G. Yes, one after the other. Michael Maguire was sacked and that was flagged basically from the beginning of the season when they said they're going to conduct a mid-season review. Successful clubs do not conduct mid-season reviews. You never conduct a mid-season review to keep your coach. So, you know, they, you never conduct a mid-season review and go, we've done a we've done a mid-season review and now we're going to keep the coach for the next 10 years. That it's a bit happens. odd, yes. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. So they flagged it early. Now he's gone. Brett Kamali's taken over. Now the big challenge with this one, obviously, is that um, Jackson Hastings, who's been by some distance probably their best player this year, and Adam Duahi, who was, in my opinion, by far their best player last year, hasn't come back from his ACL yet. They are both heavy, heavy Magic Maguire supporters. Yes. Now the rumour is that as every club with a coaching vacancy, and there's three of them at the moment, they're, they're looking for Cam Sheraldo. Now, my view is the West Tigers have the best chance of getting Cam Sheraldo because of the group of youngsters they've got coming through, and that's one of the reasons why Tim Sheens was actually attracted back to the club last year. What are your thoughts on Madge Maguire? And we will we will cover uh, Nathan Brown after that. Yeah, look, I think it was very harsh. I thought this year, we when we did our preview, we thought the Tigers would struggle purely because of the cattle. But... They've actually been quite spirited. They've had a couple of good performances 
where they just haven't had the class necessarily to win the game, but they've been in a few, few games. They've won a couple. I thought as soon as they sort of started to play better, all of a sudden the pressure to start winning again or he was going to get the sack. Like, I don't think that would have done anything good for morale. And I thought if they got rid of him at the back end of last year, I'd understand. But to sort of start putting feelers out in the press about getting rid of him now when the team's playing with spirit, they're in games, they've had a few chances to win a couple of games, to actually sack him now seems a bit weird, especially when he's brought through youngsters. It seems ridiculous. Have they sounded out Geraldo and they actually know that he'll come or he's interested and they've acted so that they can make that move? But I I felt sorry for Madge. I thought he's been dealt with harshly by the press and the Tigers. And I think if they were going to get rid of him, it made sense last year when things were going crazy and there was, you know, unrest and stuff like that. But things seem to have gotten back on track this year. So, odd if it's not, decision. If it's not Cam Sheraldo, who's it going to be? Well, I don't know. This is the thing. I don't really know. I mean, is it a Shane Flanagan? That, that's kind of, or a, a Paul Green. Are they really better than... I mean, Shane Flanagan, I think, is a good coach, but are they really better than Imagine McGuire? Now, Todd Payton's linked to the role. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's, he's, up, he's up. Remember, they only signed him for two years. That's right, yes. space contract. Yep. So he is up. He is very close to... Tim Sheens. Yes, he is. Yes, he played under Tim Sheens. He has come out and said he would prefer to be re-signed. At the Cowboys, and the Cowboys haven't done that yet. But the rumour is Todd Payton's, they're, they're having a red-hot go for Todd Payton. And Dean Young, who's the assistant coach there, he's the defensive assistant coach there, has done an amazing job with their defence this year, and we'll talk a little bit about it in the two Cowboys games. Looks like um, he'll be Anthony Griffin's replacement at Saints as well. So they're the rumours that are out there around those. Dean Young makes sense. His dad's actually on the board, isn't he? Craig Young at the moment. So if I were Todd Payton, I'd want to stay at the Cowboys. They've got a really good young team there. He's brought through a lot of youngsters, but you know they're, they're running way above expectations. And if they still haven't made moves to sign him, you kind of got to wonder if you're Todd Payton, what's going on? So if I were the Cowboys, I'd action that quickly. But if they don't, you've got to wonder if you're Todd Payton whether it's best off to, to go. I mean, what else do you have to do to earn a contract up there? It's funny that they haven't re-signed. What are they waiting for? I mean, he's, he's been... I don't know. They've been superb. He, okay. He's developed the young guys. They're coming along. They're, they're playing way above expectations. They're playing good football. And you can see a future there with their team. So weird that they haven't actioned that unless they have a favourite that they want instead. Or if, he, or if there's something going on behind the scenes. It is a long way away. And North Queensland don't get into the press down here as much. All right, what about Nathan Brown? He was sacked. He's been replaced by Stacey Jones. Yep. The immediate rumour was Madge Maguire is going to take over there, just to switch across. That, that's the rumour. Who knows if that plays out? Stacey Jones is obviously a club legend. What struck me about this resignation is um, just Nathan Brown coming out afterwards and saying he won't be a head coach again. That's it. He's done. And he's telling the story about his eldest daughter, who's in year 12. In her whole schooling, her 13 years of schooling, she's had like 11 different schools. And what struck for me is you forget the impact this has on the families of these coaches. That's so huge. I felt, I, yeah, I felt a little bit for Nathan Brown and his family situation. And that's why he doesn't want to do a head coach again. I think he's quite a good coach. He's good at bringing youngsters along. But... He just never cut it at NRL level. I just, he was just just a little bit short, I thought, of what of the required. Uh, he just couldn't get him over that last hurdle. I, I think he's good for bringing youngsters into grade because he doesn't seem to throw his plays under the bus. He takes a loss. He looks at the positives. And I think he probably provides an encouraging environment for some of these youngsters to grow. But I think once they settle, like you say, I don't think he's the coach that takes them from there to another level. 
And I think that's been proven over time, to be honest. He did the same thing at Newcastle. He sort of graded a lot of these young guys, went through the growing pains. But then once they got there, then they almost stagnate. So he gives them that good buffer initially. And I think the same thing with the Warriors. He's blooded a lot of young players or, or players that don't have much experience. Same thing, T. I They stagnated, right? The, the family thing, listening to that, that's harsh. I mean, I feel for his daughter there. You know, I mean, imagine changing schools 11 times in 12 years. I mean... That's cr- that's crazy. Who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna be the Warriors coach? I mean, would you pick Imagine Maguire at the Warriors? I I don't know. Again, I oh, I think he'd be quite good for them. I actually think Madge would fit right right in there. And he's the Kiwi coach. I actually think that suits him that roster. And I think the Tigers this year they played a little bit of different footy under Madge, and he kind of let go a little bit. And I think that would help him with the Warriors. But he'd give them some of the structure they're lacking. And I think the way Hastings played and some of these other players, that would translate well to the Warriors there. I, But other than that, I think I don't really know much about some of the young coaches coming through. It just seems to be very focused on a Serraldo or, you know, people that are being retreaded like uh, a Flanagan or a, a Paul Green. You don't really hear much of a, anyone else like any of the other assistant coaches. There's three premiership winning coaches out there at the moment. There's not many, no. Madge, that's unemployed. Madge, Paul Green, and Flanagan. Yep. Irrespective of what you think of them, they've won premierships. Correct, yeah. There's not a, there's not a hundred of them running around that's won premierships, right? So you've got to take a gamble of sorts on somebody, right? And hope do, they pan out. Now, in the other big news, Rabs Warren retired, obviously. Now, yeah, Kind of. He already kind of retired. Of yeah, but it was, he's the greatest commentator. He's the voice of rugby league for 40, 50 years. Certainly, as we were growing up and... And now, along with Daryl East, like who used to do Origin, and Graham Hughes, who when Channel Ten had it, was the was the primary commentator, along with Rex Mosser. They they are really the voices of the league. I've got two questions for you on Rabs, and I'll give you my opinion on both. Yep. What's your favourite Rabs moment? That's going to be slightly biased, I would say, because he's one of my all-time favourite players. Watching Hasm for Canterbury, he used to really love Hasm play, so it was kind of when he would get excited when Hasm would score. So our listeners would be shocked. That you are demonstrating bias. One of, one of his favourite players. So I, I, I used to like when Rabs would be commentating there, but there, there's so many. I don't really have a favourite. I've got a couple. He's just, his voice is everywhere. You know what I mean? And I think as he evolved and got older, he got uh, heaps better. Because you listen to some of his earlier stuff, and there's a bit of an angry Rabs. He, he actually has quite a few goes at the players if you listen to it. I like that when he was younger. It's like, what a stupid play by such and such. You're like... You know, I'd say mid-90s onwards, he's been fantastic. I've loved him the whole way. My two favourite moments was um, Mark Coyne's try right at the death in Origin. Oh, yes, that's, that, yes. That's not a try. That's a miracle. Um, that's one. That's as a one-liner, just off the cuff. Just brilliant. Just I think brilliant. I was so pissed off, T, watching that game when I was watching it that I didn't remember the commentary. I was like, I can't believe they fucking won. What a load of shit. So, that's not a try. That's a miracle. And Fatty over the top with, oh, yeah. yes. Oh, no. that's, 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 that's iconic. The other one was how bloody good the early days of the footy show was with Sturlo, Fatty. And you know how they used to have Rabs with his, um, uh, his rectinol? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes. and remember Rusty oh, the dog? I can't Rusty believe you dog? remember that. Yeah, Rusty remember the Rusty? dog. <laughs> Rusty the dog. You don't know what I'm talking about, you two young. Go back and watch the YouTube clips of it. it totally forgot about that. Yes. Yes. God, Actually, it was good. Oh, God. God, it was good. <laughs> I'm surprised I forgot that. But I was thinking more game, game Ray Warren. Jesus, Rectinol, Rusty the dog. The okay, Rectinol. you know what? That takes it, yeah. Because he was always came across as quite serious, Ray Warren. But, 
Um, uh, you know, I know he's a bit of a para fan, but I used to love it when you'd have those clashes that were really... I think he grew up as a para fan. He did. And, you know, when the para would play Canterbury in, in the 90s when they were both good or early 2000s, you could feel his passion about the game and because of the 80s. And it was really good, like, listening to him take it up a, a level. I wonder if the new commentators are better or is it more because he's the voice of our generation that nothing will compare, you know? Well, well, this is my second question for you. Um, who replaces him? I do like Warren Smith. That's exactly who I was going to say. I think it should be Warren Smith. But I have to say, I I think Voss, since he's gone to Fox, has become... I, I like Andrew Voss. I really I, do. I don't like him. I, no, I don't, it's not that I don't like him. I think he's fine, but I don't think... I think his days as the primary caller are gone. Yeah, I mean, Warren Smith has been sensational. Like, at first, I had to get used to him, but he's been sensational. Yeah, I think Warren Smith's easily, easily the best, um, in my opinion. And I, in fairness, if he wasn't Rabs, he's actually probably been the primary caller. Co- caller from my from my point of view for a while i think we need um gary freeman back he was crazy as a commentator he was absolutely batshit crazy (laughs) absolutely it's great so there was a few in the in the um 80s that came through the abc commentary box if you recall yes warren boland um he was no he wasn't david morrow was quite loud but you know i thought graham hughes was good but when you go back and listen to it there's a lot of you get used to his voice but he's not rabs of course it's iconic all right Shall we just move on to some player news before yes. we come back to some of the bigger news? All right. Will Smith was released by the Titans on completion yes. grounds to come yep. back to Sydney. What, what were your thoughts on this? He doesn't want to be there. You'd have to let him go. But they kind of miss him. They kind of need a player like him. I've got news for you, G. They've got 30 players in the squad that are playing like they don't want to be there. There's a few issues still there. Uh, they're, they're so... They're such a weird side. They really are. And you've, I, nearly, you've nearly talked the bloody Bulldogs into making an assistant coach out of Jim Dimmick, who who has ostensibly been horrific in charge of their attack this year. Like I said, they've just lost themselves, and I don't know what, what they're doing up there. I really don't. Uh, so, so Jim Dimmick, who you you have a sexual crush on. Yes, Jermaine Asako also looks like he doesn't want to be there. Jermaine Asako, oh I got it in the game. Jermaine Asako is playing awful. He should be dropped. He actually needs to be dropped. He's playing so bad. He's bad. Let's keep moving. Um, Jake Turpin was granted permission to negotiate with other clubs. Um, clearly, Kevy's son has the position locked up at Hooker now. <laughs> I love nepotism in the NRL. I'm not going to say anything because I think Billy Walters at Hooker actually does a decent job, but you'd have to think there's a slight conflict of interest when assessing their playing talent there. Do you think he gets involved or just Ben Eichen does the decision-making there when, when it's their own son? Ben Eichen's really savvy with that stuff. I would imagine Ben Eichen is the one that takes the lead. NRL 360 was a great show under Ben Eichen because of Ben Eichen. Yes. Now, I actually think Braiths is doing a pretty good job at the moment as well. But they need to get rid of the News Corp journos, James Hooper, Paul Kent and Buzz Rothfield that go through that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Buzz is there as a Lifetime Achievement Award, I think. For what? For what's the achievement? What's the achievement? A survival? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> You're not up. dead. Thanks, thanks, Buzz. You're not dead. Here's a TV show. He's been with the Daily Telegraph for so long um, and the Mirror before that. But it's probably there to sling shade at Phil Gould as well. <laughs> oh, he's done it again. He does it all every week. It's just childish. I love it. It's great. Let's keep moving because there is yes. a lot of player news. Um, Brandon Wakem has been suspended for four weeks for an eye gouge against Saints in New South Wales Cup. Did you see this? And it wasn't it was very bad. good. Yes. It was bad. It was bad. And my, my challenge with this is he should have got more than four weeks. I read the headline and thought, you know, Brandon Wakem to get a heavy suspension and four weeks for an eye gouge isn't quite a heavy suspension. So they, You know what? They've actually, and because the media harped on about it and got the rules changed, 
They've completely stuffed up the suspensions this year. We're going to talk about Felice Kafusi from this weekend's game. You know, there's two schools of thought whether it was deliberate or not, but he got fined, so it was deliberate. If it's deliberate, he's got form on the board, he should have copped a suspension. Instead, he got an $1,800 fine, which he's now fighting because they wiped the slate clean. It's what, what I said would happen at the beginning of the season. If someone's, if someone's got a track record of doing the same thing over and over again by wiping it, <laughs> like, like he should have copped a long suspension. Like Felici Kafusi, for example? Yeah, yeah. He elbowed Ryan Madison last year that led to him being out for two months. Yes. He, he twice ran at Boyd Cordner and got him concussion with his cocked elbow. It's, it's, just his, it's just the way he plays. He's dirty. Borderline dirty with, under the current rules, as, as dirty as you can get. Well, he's, he, would be, he wouldn't be out of place in the 80s. He's, he's sneaky dirty. He's <laughs> Benny Elias. I'm taking a bite out of my own arm to get Mario Fenix suspended dirty. <laughs> Now, Luciano Leilua looks yes. like he's going to be released early to the Cowboys because he's joining them next year. My question to you is, do you remember in the 90s when Aspria joined Newcastle under Kevin Keegan that was flying? Yes. And they didn't need him? Yes. Who does he replace? Like, why do they need him? I think they thought they need him, but I think these guys are doing such a great job that I'm like, you. I think it would... Where do you play him? And if he doesn't play, does it upset the chemistry of the side either way? I don't think he makes it into the starting lineup. I don't think he does either. I really don't. If I was them, I'd be trying to get rid of that contract. I'd be I to wouldn't get take him early. I wouldn't. Because I think it has too much potential to upset the way things are going at the moment. It's, it's not the right move. Um, let's, let's keep going. If Ryan Madison goes to Redcliffe, the Eels are going to target Angus Crichton. They'll be up against the Rugby Union, of course, with Angus Crichton. But... Um, he still hasn't signed for 2023 with the Roosters. Um, what do you think of that if Madison goes to um, Redcliffe? What do, you, what do you think is a replacement in Angus Crichton? I actually think it'll be a good signing for the, for the Eels. I really do. He, I think he... I think so too, actually. He matches what Papali'i brings as well as Madison. He's like a hybrid. He runs hard straight. He runs good lines, but he's also got that you know relentlessness that Papali'i has at times. So I think it would be a great signing for the for the Eels. I really do. They need someone that's kind of a marquee type of back rower. Yeah. Runs hard, runs good lines, so and then they can play around that. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be a good sign. I, you know what? He's my sneaky suspicion suspicion G. I think he'd be better than Ryan Madison for us. I think he gives us more. He's he'd be an upgrade. Do you know what I mean? So I actually think it's a quite clever signing, yeah. I think it's a so, great and, one. And the Eels haven't been clever with this stuff, but he's but there's a lot of water to go into the brook. Depends what Ryan Madison does. Now, have you heard about Warrington and the reunion of sorts they're having? No, I actually haven't read about that. So, of course you haven't, uh, but I've been overseas and following the news. So um, It's big news in New York, I hear. It is. <laughs> the Warrington so, reunion. The Warrington reunion. And you yes. know what it's a reunion of? Oh, I don't know, actually. Good. It's a reunion of the Paul Vaughan barbecue. Now, Josh Maguire looks what? Josh Maguire looks like he's going to Warrington. Paul Vaughan looks like he's going to Warrington. And Matt Dufty look like, looks like he's going to Warrington. So it looks like all they're missing is Jack DeBellin and a police car, and they'll be able to recreate this barbecue. Corey Norman and a, ju- a Jumbuck barbecue. In the, in, the nor- in, the nor- in Northern England. Yes. Now, what do you think Warrington's problem is that their answer was Josh Maguire, Paul Vaughan and Matt Dufty? Do you think it was cultural? No, I think, you know what, I do. I think they want to um, increase the camaraderie amongst the players. And Paul Vaughan's got track record of inviting everyone over and you know keeping the spirits and morale up do for the think- team. Do you think someone at Warrington said, do you know what we need? We need some mongrel. And you know where we can get mongrel? Put it on the barbecue. We can get, we can get mongrel from a beef eater. 
And who else could provide more beef eater mongrel than Josh Maguire, Paul Vaughan and Matt Dufty? If you do a bit of reading about the origin of some of the meat that you find in England through the UK, it probably is a bit of mongrel, actually. That's right. Who knows what's mixed in with it? It's not really player news, but uh, another piece of news that caught my eye is Sam Burgess. Did you read about this? No, I have been um, a bit MIA the last few days. You have been because you're of your torn ass. Yes. Um, and the hospitals, though. Yes. Yes. On the dance floor. And you were killing the youngsters until you tore your ass on the dance floor. Yeah, doing the caterpillar. Doing the caterpillar. <laughs> I, think, I think I would back you to do the first uplift. And then I think you would go through the floor. That is quite possible, yes. Yeah. It, it, the body yeah. doesn't work in unison anymore. No, way. no, no. And it hasn't for a long time, G, although I know your mind thinks it does. So S- Sam Burgess is to become Skeletor's um, assistant up at Redcliffe. Oh, interesting. I didn't realise. Oh, then again, he has, has put feelers out for the coaching, some of the coaching um, gigs in terms of working in the background. If Wayne Bennett's Skeletor and Sam Burgess is joining him, what does that make Sam Burgess? I always thought he would be He-Man, actually. Well, no, he's joining Skeletor. How would he be He-Man? That's what I mean. I don't know. It doesn't quite fit, does it? No, well, no. Is no. it Ram Man? Would he be Ram Man? Isn't Ram Man a baddie? No. Our, so, our friend AB has nicknamed you Ram Man. Yep. Actually, who's the bad guy in He-Man? Skeletor, and I can't remember the other guy. Um, oh. I think he would be Skeletor's animal companion. Remember? He-Man oh. had Battle Cat. Yes. So from now on, we shall refer, refer to Sam Burgess as Panthor. That's it! Oh, my God. Yes. Jesus, go. Okay. And, and that's 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 how I I see that running in 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 Redcliffe. They're going to replace that pub with just the Castle of Greyskull and have have Skeletor up the top watching the game from there. That's not a bad idea, actually. And S- Sam Burgess bringing in his scepter. He did. <laughs> and the jaws of life because he's a hundred years old. Crystal yeah. ball. Correct, 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 correct. All right, let's keep going. Um, we will cover a couple of sad news and then um, yeah. And then we'll and then we'll do some other news. There's a lot to cover, um, including some really great ones actually. Um, Rocky Laurie, the first Dally M winner in 1980, he passed away. Uh, of course, he won the Dally M with the Rabbitohs. That was his last season at Rabbitohs before he went to the Roosters. Yeah. Um, and he and he had a bit of a battle with mental illness before. Um, now Rocky Laurie was before my time, G. But given your penchant for 1980s football, you might remember him. He's a little bit before my time. I'm kind of more. 83 onwards type of thing because um, I sort of remember I remember um, the fabulous Mike Eden playing for the Roosters as well so I would have probably played with Rocky Laurie but um, I remember his name and that's partly because I never really saw him play so I didn't really know who he was you know the rest of the winners after that you sort of saw in the mid 80s playing footy so but it's, it's always sad news and hearing about people struggling with mental health is never a good thing no, it's not. Of course not. Of course not. And our thoughts and prayers are with his family. Yeah, right? you, you kind of you, you want it people to have a quality of life. you wonder about the head knocks that these players took back in the Dizzy. There's a pattern emerging with some of these stuff. So be, you, they've got to be very careful about some of this stuff. Like you say, forgetting, getting a little bit more aggressive and impulsive when people get on. I'm not saying Rocky did that, but you know, there's there are things to watch out for when you you follow a lot of the NFL players that have struggled with it. There, there's set patterns with this stuff, and I think um, hopefully there's low impact. But some of those guys in the 80s now, they're at the age where this stuff's going to start showing up and it's already started with a couple of players. So hopefully it doesn't become like an epidemic amongst um, old rugby league players because they used to get concussed all the time and just play on. All the time, all the time. So, all right, let's move on to other news. Um, Talakai, the uh, Cronulla Sharks... um, Cannonball. ...centre, 
Yep, Cannonball. He missed the court appearance for a low-level drink drive, uh, not drink driving, low-level driving offence, an yep. alleged driving offence. And there was some doubt that he would miss this weekend's game, but he got a reprieve from the courts. He is scheduled to reappear at the end of June and is expected to be fined. Um, it's a low-level offence, as, as it's been reported. But um, again, what does it say for the culture of the sport? I mean, it's not a good thing. But I think it's... Is that a little bit of dismissiveness? Like, I mean, if you get a court appearance... Look, well, I don't know why he missed it, but if you get a court appearance for a, a fine of sorts, if you, you either challenge it or you turn up, I think... Not turning up probably smacks of a little bit I'm above this, um, but he's going to find out the hard way that he's probably not. Why is it the NRL players just... Just, he's just going to cop a fine. All he needed to do was show up. This is what I mean. I don't understand why you'd skip something like that when you're probably going to get a fine or you know your, your points that you've lost are going to be confirmed. There's no reason to make that bigger than it is. So, you know, Talakai is probably going to end up with a bigger offence and a bigger punishment, and it's just silly. I think a bit dismissive. No, I think that's probably right. Oh, well, we watch with bated breath. Now, one piece of news I, miss, I neglected to mention earlier... Mm. CSCO Takiaho yeah. um, has signed for the Catalan Dragons from the end of this year. Yeah, saw that. Probably time to go, I guess. Just just, just the Roosters managing their salary cap. Ten years he's been at the Roosters. He's only 30. He's only 30. Ten years he's been around. Yeah, something different. You know what I mean? So he's won comps. They've been contenders all the time. I mean, what else can he sort of do in the NRL? I think he had more to offer. He does, absolutely. He still does. I think it's probably at that time where he's thinking, you know what, I'll go have a, a different adventure. Let's whilst let's stay on the Roosters. Um, did you read about the Roosters Foundation during the week? I didn't read about it during the week. They do a lot of good work, um, the Roosters Foundation. Uh, well, like, I've got a news story to tell you about, but like... Turning up to help kids. You are such a buffhead. You just throw these lines away. You've got no idea what that story actually is or what it's done. You've got to leave this in the pod. That is brilliant. That may be your finest hour, that one. <laughs> That's why I said it. Okay. Yeah, I'll leave it You know in. what? I've got no idea. Zero. Zero. So the Roosters Foundation was set up, okay, after a trip to La Massa, in Barcelona. So they've modelled it on Barcelona. And what okay. it does is it raises funny money through a foundation. Yes. And they bought a block of units in, east, obviously, in the eastern suburbs. <laughs> yes. And, and, and they're creating their own La Massa. So when they recruit kids at 12, 13, 14, 15 from the country or from elsewhere, they house them in this, in this apartment block so that they're all living together, training together. They've got ex-players there as mentors. I mean, these are the kids from the country. So yeah. it's yep. actually quite a good thing. So, so what... What they're trying to do is they're trying to build their... I mean, they don't have a junior base, right? So they've got to keep recruiting these kids when they're young. But yes. They, they, this is why the Roosters are such a good club, right? They And they're one of the few clubs where they come in as boys and leave as men. They evo- they're, they're evolving the way they do they're, things. They're this like is... an AFL model. They're like an AFL model where you come into the system and you come out a, a grown man at the end of it. I mean, you know, it's not me being a Canterbury fan. There used to be that big thing about they, they bring guys... We were known as a club that would, you know, develop players many... I'm talking many years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Well, not that many years ago, G, actually. Not that many years ago. Like, what is it, 10, 10 15 years yeah. ago? Yeah, but they used to do things similar to this, but it was more of the billet system where they had... This, you know, a, a lady who would be a club, she was fantastic for the club. She'd look after the kids and cook them for them and all that kind of stuff. Well, no, but she never Roosters... cooked for them. They just ate at Dynasty. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's right. 
it's modelled on that, but this is a more professional version of it. And the roosters are always like that. They evolve. They evolve that. Um, and it's a good thing. It worked for the dogs for a long time because it gave the kids a place to feel like they're looked after. They're away from home. They, they nurture them and make it easier for them to adjust. So I think it's a great thing. I mean, the roosters are on the money. It's it's a good move. It is a good move, in my opinion. Um, so well done to the roosters. Um, and of course. Um, given his deep knowledge of the Roosters Foundation, he found a way to bring it back to Canada. I, I did, um, but the good thing is that if one of these kids turns into a superstar, one of the apartments probably transfers title to their name. Oh, oh, as opposed to Dennis, you are in no position anymore <laughs> to have a go at the Roosters salary cap. Can I say that? Yes, meanwhile, I do. I think it's you're, great. You're up, you're up 22 nil. My God, I, I can't believe Eels, it. I cannot the believe Eels, it. The Eels have been horrific today. I had a feeling this might happen, though. I, I figured, like, after all the controversy that's happened, you guys might be up for a big one finally. I and, think so. And and our State of Origin players have obviously continued their form from State they of Origin. Have. They absolutely so, have. So let's let's keep going. Um, now, Matt Lodge, so obviously he's been paid out yes. by uh, yeah, Mark Robinson and the owner of the Warriors. Now, if he wants to be registered with another... Rugby NRL team between now and the end of the season. Yep. The NRL is insisting on an notional two hundred grand salary cap for twenty twenty two. So it's about twenty grand a game. But they're okay. so irrespective of how much you pay him, the notional hit to the salary cap is two hundred K. Yes, okay. Now, and if that comes down to five games then it's a hundred grand, you know, etc. etc. So it it's it's ruled out almost all clubs because they don't have the space. No, they to wouldn't take, to t- yeah, to take him mid season. But Parramatta and given their performance today, they might need him. Although culturally, I don't know why you would take him, but park that for a second. I mean, how does yeah. this help? Given he came through the West Tigers system, Matt Lodge, he's good friends with Nathan Brown and Mitch Moses. He knows them quite well. Parramatta have reached out to him to say, with five games to go for a hundred grand, potentially come and play for the Eels. Given Regan Campbell Gillard's form in the last two games, this might be a good decision. Now, culturally, I don't think it is, but what do you think of that? First of all, what do you think of the NRL saying, I don't care how much you sign him for, um, to keep the integrity of the club, it's 200 grand? I think it's good, but it's another one of these random NRL rules that they decide to come up with randomly, right? Have you been following a different sport for the last 40 years? I know. Don't this ask me why I expect sport. anything this is different. The sport. And it's not just PBL. Remember in the No, 90s, it's always happened. When they it's changed ridiculous. the five metre rule to ten metre rule, like from week thirteen to week fourteen yes. in one of the seasons. Just, look, I I shouldn't be surprised, but it's silly, I think, that they're putting that notional limit. I think it should just be, look, someone signs, you can just sign in for the end of the season or something like that. And then after that, you know, you can renegotiate. But I actually think it'd be a good signing for the Eels. Do you? I don't, because of cultural reasons. I'm of okay. course bigger on culture than you are, but yeah. No, fair enough. I'm, I'm talking purely from a player perspective. Oh, I, I agree with that. I get what you're saying, but I don't think... I don't, look, I don't... What does it say about your club that you're willing to take on such nefarious characters to win? Uh, it says that you probably play in rugby league, the NRL. Yeah. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. I, I, know, I don't know. If the Eagles don't take him, where does he go? Well, he's, I don't, he'll, he'll just sign for someone next year. He will. That's what will happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what will happen. He'll just sit out this year, the rest of this season, and... and, and Sign for next year. All right. I'm down to the last three pieces of news for the Fortnite G. Yes. And we've, and we've managed to do it in 45 minutes to this point. It's not bad. First off, and then I'm going to go to my two favourite stories. Um, I know one of them. Yeah, be... yeah. I'm, I'm building up to that one. That'll be my last story. It's the best story ever. Now, but yeah. now the, N- the NRL has indicated to the clubs, and the players actually, forget about the clubs for a second, 
um, that the salary cap for next year will be ten and a half million. Now the players are up in arms because they feel like that's not enough. Andrew Abdo has revealed that forecast revenue is going to be fifty million higher next year, and the projected revenue is going to go from five hundred and sixty-one million to six hundred and twelve million for twenty twenty-three. And so they've offered ten and a half million to this on the salary cap. Now the players were expecting more. And they and some of the players and most of the well not most of the players some of the players are still on fifty percent state of origin pay cuts from COVID and they were anticipating a much better deal in twenty twenty three ten and a half million across seventeen clubs gives the players thirty two percent of revenue share yes which is much which is well below what the American sports are at yep the American sports are running at around fifty the NRL wants to keep thirty percent of the revenue themselves up from twenty five percent okay. And the clubs get 17%. So the clubs' grants would be about $15 million. Yes. Uh, and the remaining 21% goes to state leagues, pathways, participation and future investments. Now, first of all... Yes. I actually don't have any problems with 30% going to the head office. I think 32% is low. That's what I think. I think it is low, yes. Yeah, but think of it this way. 49% of the revenue is going to the players and the clubs. What are the clubs doing with the money? I don't know. That is a very good question. The, the black hole here isn't the NRL and the players. The black hole here is the clubs. They're getting a $15 million grant and the salary cap's only $10.5 million. So $4.5 yep. million times 17 is close enough to $60, $70 million. Yes. Where is that money going? I don't know. I'd imagine the football departments, you'd have to think. It's actually something that needs to be Yeah, but the clubs explained. have their own revenue too. Yeah, I don't know. It's actually a great question. I, I, a lot of the NRL finances have never been quite transparent. Never been transparent. And I think that's something that needs to be resolved. I like the 20% gain to junior pathways and all that kind of stuff with transparency. It's too low. It's too low. Shouldn't the clubs only get like 10%? A little bit extra go to the players, and a little bit extra go to the club, the junior networks. It's quite a high amount for the clubs. Thank you, G. Thanks for your hard-hitting analysis. Excellent. I just don't, right. I don't mean, what do you do? It is. It's like, I'm I'm kind of, what, what, what like you say, what do you do with it? Where's it going? Like, you don't necessarily see it being spent on stuff, do you? So, no, and right. they're getting grants from the government for their you know, stadiums and all sorts of things, well... Oh, it's just, it's extraordinary, right? Let's go on to the last couple of news because we do have 15 games to come. Could be feel-good well. salary. It could be, that's where... <laughs> it could be, the 10-year feel-good yeah. contract. Let's let's be honest, the, the, the Dynasty restaurant is bringing a lot of revenue through. It absolutely, it's, it's doing a roaring trade since COVID. That's right, that's right. It. People can't get enough Chinese food. They can't, no. Because it's a, it's a well-known uh, hotbed of Chinese food, the Canterbury Leagues Club. To be honest, we take the piss out of it, but it's actually meant to be a really, really good restaurant. You know, that's what the whole stoush between the government and uh, our government and the Chinese government is. It's about Dynasty Restaurant and how good the food is in Dynasty outside of China. <laughs> oh my God, the Chinese government wants a bit of this revenue. Yeah, of course it does. Yes, absolutely. My last two pieces of news relate to the NRL and maybe the two greatest pieces of news in a petty sport. It, is, it may be the pettiest things in a petty sport. Yes. Now, you know that the NRL and the New South Wales Rugby League have been having a stoush because the NRL is acting as pup puppets for the club. Yes. So, for the official state of origin function... Oh, no. What happened now? Go. The NRL did not invite anyone from the New <laughs> South Wales God. Rugby League that runs the state of origin team oh to any God. of the functions at any of the things. <laughs> This sounds like a Greek family thing where Peter Valandis is upset with his uncle or something that's invited them. My God. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the second biggest sport in Australia. I give you how the second biggest sport in Australia is run. It's run like the ethnic weddings when there's vendettas with the families. My God, the man. NRL Come is on. slowly turning into the NSL. Jesus. And Peter Volandes was the former chairman of Sydney Olympic. That's how this is playing out. I think so. He's bringing the same expertise from Sydney Olympic to the NRL. And if they had, if he had invited them, they'd shown up. You just know he would have done it the old wog style and not spoken to them the whole night. He would have done that. He wouldn't have spoken to them more. He would have sat them in the far corner as far away from the stage as possible. That's right. And then he would have taken the bottle of whiskey home at the end of the wedding. Yes. Oh, Peter, you know what? He's great. I love him. He's the best. He is. He's the best. And speaking of Peter. Yes. Impossibly the greatest piece of news in history. When you go, who should be selecting the kangaroos in a World Cup year? You go grab the state of origin coaches, Billy Slater, Brad Fittler. Um, if they're not immortals, they should be. And then you grab an immortal who's actually coaching the Malmeninga. And you go, you know who, You know what? Between the three of them, they don't have enough footy knowledge. So no, they don't. Gets the, no, 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 no. You know who now chairs the selection committee, who has more footy knowledge than Malmeninga, Billy Slater, and Brad Fittler combined? Peter Volandis. One, one Emperor Volandis. Caesar so will be quick. selecting the kangaroos for the end of the year. I can't wait for his argument at the end of the year where he goes, rugby league, Nathan Cleary should be over DCE. And, and, and Mal and Brad and Billy are going to look at him and go, why are you talking, mate? Well, Mal Meninga still thinks that he will be selecting his team. I have news for you, Mal. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, correct, correct, I correct. don't think so. I'm not sure you know how the ethnic grandfathers work, Mal. no. No, he's he's randomly assigned himself to be the chairman of the committee. And I don't think he's just going to give suggestions. He's my guess. This is awesome. I, can't, I actually want them to have arguments about contentious positions because I actually want to see what will happen. I want it to I'm be actually excited. That, yes, that, that yes. Billy Slater, Brad Fittler and Mal Meninga wanted James Tedesco at fullback and... PVL overruled them and Ryan Pappenhausen to the fullback or Caleb. No, Williams not even like Ra- Ryan Pappenhausen. It'll be um, Xavier Savage. Nick, Nick Meany. Nick Meany. Nick Meany. I actually had an email from someone called G that suggested we should put Nick Meany at fullback correct, for correct, Australia. Correct. And I grew up with his grandfather in Wollongong. He comes from good stock. <laughs> he comes from good stock. We're picking him. Yeah, correct. It's just, it's brilliant. That he's going to reduce them to the role of Andrew Abdo, which, as we know, is Wayland Smithers. Correct, yes, it is. P- Peter, what um, what Excel spreadsheet pad would you like to put your Australian team selection on? Brad Fittler brings him the pens, and Billy Slater gets the notepads. I don't, why do they even call it a committee? He's just going to tell them who he wants and walks out walks out of the room, and that's who he's going to announce, irrespective of what they think. Oh, this is so. That would even be better. That'll be great. Go, Peter. I love this. Let's move on to round thirteen. We've got Origin to cover as well. Yeah, uh, it's been obviously when we do this once a fortnight. There's a lot to catch up on. We will go through the games quickly again. Yes, um, round thirteen: Titans versus Cowboys. The Cowboys got up thirty-two to six, um, which is not a surprise given the Titans are shit. Um, the Cowboys were missing Holmes, Cotter, Nanai, and Dearden. So yes. naturally, um, they only won by twenty-six points against a very good Titans team. Yeah, the Titans actually did start better, and the pressure told when Sexton and Brimson combined down the left to open the scoring and make it six-nil after fifteen minutes. But then in the last 15 minutes of the first half, 
Oh, that's right. The Titans completely imploded with Luki, Talagi, and the Hammer scoring to make it 16-6 at halftime. And then in the second half, the same thing happened with Reese Robson, the Hammer, had the Hammer again for his second, and Peter Hiku scoring in the last 15 minutes to make it 32-6. Jason Tomalolo has been superb the last few weeks, continued his great form. The tight, this was the Titans' eighth loss in nine games. And the only other point I want to make is Jermaine Asako needs to be dropped. He is playing woefully out there. He's looking like he's filling time before he goes to Redcliffe, and he's playing like it. So I thought it would be a decent signing, but his motivation's not there at the moment. His, his heart doesn't seem to be in it. Probably needs to be dropped, but who else did they pick? They've got no one left anymore. Well, even a dipping bird would do better than Jermaine Osaka at the moment. Well, Eastern Masters, they tried at, on the wing, and that didn't work either. They're, they're really struggling. Well, the, the Eastern Masters hasn't been great either. And he hasn't been great for a few seasons, actually. You know, you know what was funny about this game, T, is watching it and you look at the statistics were fairly even, you know, um, time in possession, completion rates, etc. But then watching the game, it was such a different... Well, there's, but there was a lot of games like that. There was a lot of games like that over the last fortnight. Um, because because it's, not, it's, not, it's not having the ball, it's what you do with it yeah. sometimes. So what the bad teams that are out of confidence are trying to do is just hold on to the ball, reduce their mistakes. But as a result, they're not actually trying anything. I think the Cowboys had an extra gear that the Titans didn't have. When the Titans sort of weathered an early storm, they tried to come back into it, and there was a, a big tackle that stopped Tanner Boyd from scoring and was held up, and that was by Lukey. Instead of closing the gap to 16-12, I think he kept it at 16-6, and then Robson scored, and that's it. They just ran away with it in the end. The Titans just fell away in the last 15 yeah, minutes I, or so. Yeah, I remember that play, but... but... Did you, did, that, did you ever think to yourself at any point the Titans were going to come out? No, play? and that's what I mean. It was almost like you felt like maybe they I mean, could come back. It wasn't a great game. No, I, mean, I thought the Cowboys a... never got out of second gear, to be no, honest. No, I don't think so. So it was one of those um, Titans really struggling. They're kind and of defensively. Like just... Defensively, the Cowboys are now so good that they actually don't need. Remember what we said. But remember, if you go back and listen to the preview, remember what yeah. I said about the Cowboys. Yes. All their work needs to be on the defensive side. If they get the defensive side sorted they're actually scoring enough points to win games they're doing really well they're, look another good win they had players out titans have just been poor they only had tino missing and you know what they're just it's like they just play in five minute spurts where they look amazing and then it falls apart or they hang in and grit try to grit and grind and then in 10 minutes they let in 20 points and they run out of puff it's, and that's exactly what happened it wasn't a good quality game but i don't think they, i don't think they're fit i don't think no they're, fit they're the not titans. there's a few teams like that yeah let's move on to the next game well, there was only four games for this round, given it was yep. a split round with Origin, and it was the Panthers versus the Bulldogs. Um, yep. The Panthers were missing six. Yes. And, and the Panthers' left edge dominated, and the Panthers looked really comfortable at 22-6 at halftime. But Matt Burton and Josh Adokar were superb for the Dogs, combining brilliantly and getting the Dogs back to within four points in, within the first 20 minutes of the second half. In fact, these two scored all the points for the Dogs, and that combination is looking really bloody good. And the way Josh Adokar's responded to being dropped has been, from Origin has been fantastic. Um, but the Panthers did steady and finish off. I thought you guys um, showed quite a bit in this game, quite a bit of grit. You look better under Mick Potter, I think. And um, for the Panthers, I thought Kurt Falls and Sean O'Sullivan actually looked okay as backups to Cleary and Luai. But I will say this for you guys. I thought Corey Allen and Kyle Flanagan were particularly poor. We do look different. Under Mick Potter, we're playing a different style of football, which is good. He's freed up some of the players. I don't think Corey Allen is a good player at all. He's slow. He's, he misses a lot of tackles. And I think having, having him and Kyle Flanagan in defence really hurt us because they still have Targo and Talon May and they're proper. And Dylan Edwards attacking down that Panthers left. And I thought Kurt Falls, 
and Sean O'Sullivan, like you said, were very direct and played a very Panther style of football, even though they were missing all these players, but they were too good. You know, James Fisher-Harris was fantastic and Coruscant, and Kikau was um, sort of terrorised us, I think. And honestly, mate, I think there was a, some good signs. The second half was excellent for you guys. You won the second half against the Panthers, who've been untouchable, right? So I thought there was there was a lot to take out of it. And, and it's showing in this game. Like, you are killing us today. I think it was really good. It was good signs, but you could kind of see, I think, the, the Panthers just upped their tempo when they needed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, um, put the Q, they, they, yeah, they did as much as they needed I did. But having said that, if this was four weeks ago, we wouldn't have come back into the game at all. So it was a, a good win by the Panthers and good signs that, you know what, they can weather the odd injury or two, which is a good sign to give some of these younger guys or some of the fringe players some more game time. Too good, Penrith. Way too good. I did like the move of Avarillo to fullback, though. It's his best position. Kurt Falls looked all right, right? Not bad. Yeah, first game, so... You know, well, well done, Kurt Ford. And I, and I, he was another one from that junior team that, that came through. That came you through know, you kind of wonder why he hasn't popped up in some other team because some teams don't have a player that good. Well, I mean, if, if I see Kurt Falls there and I go, I think he'd be okay at the docks. I'd, I'd have him as a, as a halfback. Great kicker too. I mean, what, Very I mean, good kicker. Know, he's not going to cost a lot of money. No, he he's wouldn't. Obviously, Matt Burton knows him. Like, why wouldn't you bring him through? And he'd be worth a shot, right? It's great to see him get his debut and how emotional it was. It was actually really good scenes. Scenes. All right, there was only one game each Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. For, for shitty Saturday, thank God there was only one game, and that was the Manly vs Warriors. Oh Manly God! Got okay. Up, yeah, yeah, Manly got up forty-four to twelve. <laughs> Manly dominated this game. This is um, no contest. Up, this uh, game. Twenty-four nil at half time. They eventually ran out forty-four to twelve winners. It was seven tries to two. The Sharks basically did the same the week up, the, this this week that we're going to go through. Um, Ruben Garrick's really played himself into some good form at fullback. He had a superb game um, with two tries, 225 metres, three tackle busts, one line break and, and an offload. Um, the Warriors are cooked. They only completed 26 out of 36 sets. They had 43 missed cat tackles, 10 errors. Um, they conceded 10 penalties. So not only is their discipline poor, their completion rates poor, their handling's poor... Um, they were particularly poor through the middle. They conceded a lot of line breaks and four tries right through the guts, through the ruck or through the middle. Um, you know, like, they're cooked. I mean, it was... Nathan Brown got sacked after this game, and he kind of needed to. I mean, they're done. They need to get home. Uh, they need a complete reset as a club. And and they've just been away from home, I think, for too long. Um, what did you think of this one? I mean, there was no contest. No contest, T, honestly. I watched this game. I mean, they Manly were utterly dominant in the first half. I thought Schuster was a handful for the Warriors, and they didn't know what to do with him, with his offloading and his running and his power. And I think a lot of their you know tries came through the middle, through their forwards. I think they just steamrolled the Warriors. The Warriors just couldn't... Handle and the defence wasn't up to scratch. So I think 24-0 at half-time was pretty much that one-sided. And I think the second half, Manly came out flat, you know. And I think the last 20 minutes, they sort of put their foot on the pedal again. When Harper went over, went through a big gap. But it was just the Warriors were poor. They were never in it. And the only lull was Manly coming out after half-time a bit flat. Outside of that, they just killed them. And no contest. And this is probably why, you know, um, Nathan Brown got the chop. Yeah, I was a bit... It was just such a poor performance. It was poor. They were unresponsive. They were never in it. And if anything, under uh, under Nathan but Brown... But after they scored the first two tries this week, they were the same against the Sharks. Yes, yeah, that, that is very true. But under, you know, under um, Brown, uh, you know, they've usually been spirited or tried to grind stuff out. But this was just... That, that even wasn't there. So just a tell, flogging. Oh, gee, gee, you can tell when teams have given up on their coaches because attacking structure takes a while to stick. 
Yeah. Like that's not something you can turn around quickly, but defence is often just effort. And, you know, when they're conceding tries through the middle and those types of things, it kind of means that the players are given up on the coach. And sometimes given up on the coach means that there's a lot of rumours around them and they just can't. They don't think the coach is going to be there, etc. Things like it's that. It's hard to keep motivated under those yeah. circumstances. You need really strong leadership in the players. So, you know what, Manly now they're starting to win the games. Like we said that there's that they should be winning, so they'll keep in touch. I think they they might sneak into the eight, but good win. And Garrick starting to find his feet again at fullback, like you said, good win. And Schuster's back. Schuster's back, and he played half, right? Yep, he absolutely did. Although I still think he's carrying too much put. He, he's actually put on a lot of weight. It's noticeable. He's like uh, he's like Steve Roach playing in the halves. <laughs> probably bigger than Steve Roach, to be honest. He probably is bigger than Steve Roach. I mean, it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's move on to the Super Sunday game. And I thought this was quite a good game. It was very cold in Canberra. It was only two degrees. Oh, mate. Uh, it, can the Roosters forfeit this game or like bring fans on the field? It was well, they, they were good, though. I thought it was a typical Raiders game, though, right? They would they would be title contenders if the game's finished at half-time. They were up 12-6 at half-time. They then extended their lead when Corey Horsburgh charged down a Luke Keery kick and sent Sebastian Chris over to make it 18-6. But then they kind of gave up again, and the Roosters eventually fought back, first through Crichton, putting Momorowski over with a beautiful little ball. And and, and his footwork was superb, actually. And yes. Suali taking an AFL mark to score and make it 18-16. Um, Matt Tomoko then steadied for the Raiders to make it 22-16, but they did lose the second half again. Um, 10-4. Or, so, so, you know, just another, they again let a team in in the second half. The Raiders' defence was superb, though. I thought the Roosters really peppered them. Um, and Joey Manu produced one of the most unbelievable running displays this season. 33 runs, 288 metres, 90 post-contact metres, 14 tackle busts, 7 offloads and 1 try assist. Um, my only other point about this game is actually the Roosters can't win it. I'm sorry, Cuts. I know you're a Roosters fan. I don't think the Eels can win it either after today's performance, but Momorowski is a real liability in the centres, particularly defensively, and Kiri and Walker are just not playing well. Sam Walker continues to do these magic, off-the-cuff things, but it hides the other 60 minutes of the game where he's actually playing really poorly. And along with Hooker, Actually, if you look at their team, there's actually a lot of holes in this Roosters team at the moment. What do you think of this one? I think similar. I thought the Raiders. I think the Raiders have improved drastically in the last few weeks. They still have those second half lulls, but in terms of their structure and the way they're set up and defensively, I think now they're a lot better. They're trying harder. In they're trying harder, and I think. Yeah. Um, but but it's the same thing. They get in front in the first half, and then they get mowed down. And sometimes they don't get mowed down enough, and they win the game. And other times they they lose, right? Because they get mowed down. I, I think Fogarty is giving them a little bit more direction in attack. I think that's been a good pickup. Um, defensively, he's brought some of his Titans game with him, but um, <laughs> you know. So, but I think that's kind of helped them as much as I like Charles Nickel Clockstad. You know, you wonder what that injury was like. Xavier, they look a lot better with Xavier Savage giving them thrust from the back like some of these good teams do. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He's not the same player and, and it's noticeable, right? It's one of these things, too, you know, where he looks the same player and it looks like he's not being impacted, but... Something's happened there that they didn't tell people about, right? Yeah. Things not right. So I thought the the Raiders played really well. I thought Joey Manu and the Roosters. I thought Tupanua had another good game. Crichton, I thought, stepped up in this game. Maybe because he missed out on Origin. I thought he played really well. But I thought the Raiders just kept ahead. And I thought they, they did really well. And they played a couple of good tries with offloading and following the ball and backing up. Um, and I thought the Roosters struggled to penetrate in attack. 
Um, I think Momorowski at times was a bit... I don't know. He's he's sometimes getting caught out defence. Do, do, they, they, do, they do struggle to penetrate and attack. You're right. But whose fault is that? That's the halves. Halves and hooker. Halves and hooker. They're not great. They're not great. They had exactly the same problem against the Storm this week where they had heaps of chances and... This is where DCE and Roger Ramjet at the Panthers are so good, right? Yes. I love Walker. Even though last year was a rookie, he had holes. I thought he was more consistent last year. Yeah, he's more sporadic this year, and that combo for some reason isn't sticking. You know, you know who they need? You know who would make them a premiership contender? If they had Mitch Moses and Reed Marnie. That combo isn't quite... It's working in spurts, but for a whole game, they're struggling against the better teams. And unless they fix that walker Kiri combo, who both are amazing players, they're going to struggle in some of these games. And then you're going to wait for Amanu or Tedesco to just be brilliant. And it's not always happening now. What a weapon Suwali is in the air. My God. Just, 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 I think the confidence he's gained from being in the Origin squad, both last week and this week, he was unbelievable this weekend as well. Just, he has gone to a whole different level. And he's so... And he's so tough in defence. He's like he's brave. he's really good he's for an eighteen-year-old. Yeah. yeah, but geez, that that take he, the take was like he was. You know, you're talking about full Gary Ablett from bloody. It's like Geelong. AFL takes, and he did it again this week. So yeah, so it was AFL mark. So anyway, let's yeah, good win for the Raiders. Good stuff. Good Green machine. All right, let's move on to the Origin game on Wednesday night, which I watched in a hotel room. Uh, before flying back to... Uh, yes, I watched with a bunch of Queenslanders. Here. Yes. Did you? Yes. What, were you just in the hospital bed? When did you When did you cork your ass or break your ass in the dance floor? What day was it? Thursday morning. Oh, so it was after Probably Origins. 1am, yeah, yeah, after so, Origin. Yeah, okay. All right. So it was after this. So you celebrated after Queensland won. I did pick Queensland. Yeah, so did I. You are just one of the greatest shit blokes of all time, though. So <laughs> yes. another example of you not, not picking your own... You know this is your fault because actually I would have tipped New South Wales. But I know you would. Have. I, know. I thought it was a dog act because we spoke about this, and it was a. I knew as soon as I saw your Queensland tip because we spoke about it, and I went, "This dickhead changed because of what I said." Partly, yeah, because you made me look at it a little bit differently, and I thought, you know what, T's actually right. If they hold yeah, us correct. in the forwards, we're in trouble, and that's what happened. Correct. That's exactly they, what they happened. The form so anyway, we're going to talk about this. Um, it was the first full crowd game in New South Wales since 2019, so three years, right? There was one game in 2020, but it was a limited crowd with only about 38,000. There was 80,500 there for Origin. Apparently, the atmosphere was amazing. Um, yeah. Can I just say up front, Queensland were the better team, and in particular, Cam Munster produced a masterclass. He just loves Origin, right, Cam Munster? Um, he was sensational. New South, he was sensational. New South Wales had a game plan to attack through the middle. And the game was fast and end-to-end. It was one of the quicker Origin games. And, and the reason for that was... Um, I'll, I'll actually get to the reason for that a little bit later. Um, Jack Whiten at left centre was great. Yes, he had a fantastic game. Fantastic game, except for the one-on-one strip he gave up to Cam uh, Munster. But Munster does that to everybody. End. He does that know, to everybody. I know, but, but, but still, she's an experienced player now. He should have held yes. up the ball. He did score the first try to give the Blues a 4-0 lead, but Queensland dominated from there. And they dominated off the back of one of the worst kicking games that I've seen from Roger Ramjet. Well, surprisingly, Nathan Cleary's kicking game is usually superb, is the best way to describe it. Very poor. So they were getting the ball back either with seven tackle sets or in really good positions. The kicks weren't either deep enough or high enough. And it was just such a poor kicking game. And as a result, Queensland, if you look at that first half again, Queensland had all the field position. 
Yeah, and, they and did. They, were they did, and they were rewarded before half time when Dane Gagai scored to give Queensland a six four lead at half time. Um, in the second half, then DCE danced through the middle from a scrum, controversially because Junior Paulo and Brad Fittler complained after the game that Junior Paulo was held into the scrum, which he was. But Ash Klein had a poor game overall, and that made it twelve four. And then Val Holmes scored a few minutes later to make it sixteen four. New South Wales mounted a comeback in the last 10 minutes with Cam Murray scoring to make it 16-10 with 10 to go. And it was a barnstorming finish, but Queensland held on. For Queensland, technically and tactically, Billy Slater produced a Melbourne Storm dark art absolute <laughs> perfection. They held people into the scrum. They, they <laughs> laid all over the play of the ball, if you look at the play of the ball stats. They, yeah, Because they know and, they're not going to penalise them. Look, what the and, hell? And they dared Ash Klein to blow a penalty, and Ash Klein was very, very poor on the night. New South Wales picked the wrong team. Regan Campbell-Gillard, Ryan Madison and Tarek Sims were poor, and Junior Paulo was uncharacteristically sloppy. Stephen Crichton and Daniel Tupu weren't good either. And, and they kind of didn't pick the team on form that they have been doing, and Queensland did. So with so many Panthers in the side, they tried to play Panthers footy, which is why the game was so fast. You know, the ball didn't go out. Yep. They tried to play Panthers footy, and as a result, I actually think they played into... You know, it was like a Panthers versus Storm game, and Queensland were the Storm, and New South Wales were the Panthers, and they didn't play origin footy. And I think, in the end, Queensland were the better team, and there is a lot of improvement. I think they picked the wrong team, I think... Queensland picked a form backline, and all they needed to do was hold us in the forwards. And Patrick Carrigan, when he came on, again, the dark arts, but the, the enthusiasm he gave them through the middle of the ruck was superb. And Queensland deserved it. Queensland yeah, deserved absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought New South Wales did very good to hold in that first half defensively to hold Queensland out. Oh, Queensland were ultra effective, and I think there was an opportunistic try with which Cobbo's pace created, created a little bit of space for him to put the kick in back to Gagai. I thought early New South Wales targeted Gagai and they were running all over him. He can be a little bit hit and miss, Dane, at times. I think what stood out for me was there were times where Queensland was up in their face. They were constantly pressuring them. And I don't think some of these Panthers players are used to the other team playing a little bit like them, to be honest. In defence, holding them down as much as possible, wrestling you know, grabbing and doing all this stuff, but coming at them at a constant intensity. And I think that threw Cleary and Luai out a little bit. I thought Luai probably held off being himself somewhat. I don't think he was the ultra-composed, aggressively attacking Luai that you see for Penrith. I don't know if he feels like he has to take a bit more of a back seat, but I felt like I think that... they had to go a long way, G. Other than the last 15 minutes, they had to go a long way. They, they didn't have a lot of field position. Yeah, right? fair point, T. I think that was... That was it hampered them a little bit because yeah, he no, also agree, creates that. that space for Whiten to attack Gagai. Um, I think they missed Ado Carr, and not because I'm a Bulldogs fan. I think that no, no, extra I agree. Speed... I agree. I think he would have been a better option than Daniel Tupu. And now Daniel Tupu's come out and said, I actually want to play for Tonga, so he might not play in Origin 2 anyway. Good on Daniel Tupu too, by the way. Um, but I think that extra bit well, of acceleration... this is the problem with Origin. And I wanted to talk about this. This is the problem with Origin. With 50% now coming from Pacific Island backgrounds... It's not the best of the best anymore. They, this concept is going to have to be rethought at some point in the next 10 years because a lot of these Pacific Island players want to play for the country of their parents. Of course they do. Samoa, and international you know. football is more rare. It is more There is more honour or there's, there's more pride in representing Tonga, your parents' place, than there is in representing your state. Absolutely. And I think that's... And there should be. And it should be that way. It's international footy. 
Yeah, I agree with you. But I thought Queensland's, like you say, they picked form forwards. New South Wales carrying a few forwards that you've got to question. Tarek Sims got stood up a few times. He had the odd group, but that's what he plays like for Saints. He, he didn't... No, he no, Tarek his Sims Saints. was poor. He was poor. He was really yeah, he brought poor. his Saints for him. So was Ryan Oregon. Madison. Now, I feel for Ryan Madison. It was, it was his first game, though, right? I feel for Ryan Madison. Um, but and I think Regan Campbell-Gillard had a really poor game. At times when New South Wales were putting together some stuff in the middle of the field... I thought Queensland's agility through Cotter and Carrigan coming on um, really sort of stopped stopped them making inroads through the middle. They're very agile, those players. They're fast and they're good defenders. So there wasn't as much space in the middle of the field and I think the space was on the fringe. You say, I don't think Queensland had enough or New South Wales had enough space to attack that well. And I thought Munster, whenever he saw something, he just attacked, what do you want to call it, eyes up footy, footy player. He's making breaks out of nowhere, shrugging players off, and just creating he's just, danger. He's just, he's just an old-fashioned footy player. Cobbo and Coates, whilst, the, whilst he was on, um, really made a difference because they're, they're speedy and they're tall and they're strong, and I thought New South Wales had trouble getting around them on the on the, the wings as well. So I thought they blocked New South Wales from kind of finding space other than that channel with Gagai at times. But So I thought they defended them really well. And um, I thought Queensland were the better team. And Munster, their, their back line is potent. Queensland, well-deserved. I think New South Wales needs to really look at who's playing well. Stuff about this incumbent bullshit. You need to pick who's playing well and really put them in the team. I think Stephen Crichton should be in the centres. Um, even though, this is the thing, Whiteson played really well. But week to week, Stephen Crichton yeah, is sensational. Yeah, I think Latrell will start in game two. And I think it'll be Katoni Staggs or Stephen Crichton on the right wing. I, I would pick Katoni Staggs over Stephen Crichton because I think Katoni Staggs' defence is a bit better. Um, a fair fair point. Uh, I think I would bring back that. I think, I think the two hookers, they did the two hookers thing that Craig Bellamy does as well. It was really sl- smart. Billy Smater, it was just it was the Storm versus the Panthers and it wasn't State of Origin footy and, and that's what they need to change. Here's the, the other question I have for you. For New South Wales, I think they need to keep on being aggressive but I think they need to look at their mobility in their pack. I I think Tarek Sims needs to go. I agree with that. Cam Murray, Cam Murray needs to come into the starting team because he gives them the mobility. He does absolutely. And he needs. I think they need an auto car or a speed machine on one wing to actually. So when they get space, they can take advantage of it. And the centre, Stags or Crichton, Whiten, you kind of almost can't drop because his form was so good in that game, right? But you got to wonder where they should have been there in the first. Yeah, it was great. Well, it shouldn't have been, but but you can't drop him now. He's got to go to the bench as the utility. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting. Interesting second. I don't know if New South Wales has it in them to beat them, unless they are far more agile in attack and defence. I think I think Queensland will win the series, but I think they'll do it two one. I think New South Wales will win in Perth. It'll be good. I, I think I'm looking forward to a good game. I think New South Wales will come at them with a different look because Freddie does change things up. But I do think they need to have more players backing up through the middle and not just rely on trying to go around them because Queensland's got pace and size out wide and they can shut them down quite quickly. So they need to probably play a little bit more intricate football to break them apart. Um, and that's it. I mean, how many more changes can you make, right? Well, no, I think I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's it. It'll be a good second game, but, jeez, Queensland were good. They were really good. They were the better side. But 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 I, I don't think I I don't think Ashley Klein helped them either. There was a lot of fifty fifty decisions that didn't go. For the game, they said, you know, whatever you do instead of Origin, don't worry, you're not going to get suspended. <laughs> like, well, don't you don't have to worry about the suspension. You just have to need to worry about the forty seven minute play of the balls. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Or well, actually, after today's game, I think Jake Abarillo should be the fullback. <laughs> of course you do. Of course yeah, you do. Of course. Hey, we won a game, mate. Come on, let me go. Yeah, you did. Jeez. You did, you did. Yeah, I will let you go. I will let you go. But it's a game, unfortunately, it's against us, and it's going to be very short. 
It will be. That's also very true. On the home stretch now, um, shall we move? Shall we move on to round fourteen and the eight games? It was a full round after Origin. All right, first up on Friday night, there was no Thursday night game because of State of Origin. It was Cowboys versus the Saints. The Cowboys got up thirty-one to twelve. The Cowboys scored two tries in the opening ten minutes to make it twelve nil, and then. Um, got another one through Reese Robson to make it 20 nil after 30 minutes. Saints got one back through Suli to make it 20 to six at halftime. But really, the game was over after 30 minutes. Yeah. The Cowboys extended their lead straight after halftime through Taulagi to make it 24 to six. Although Saints did give themselves a glimmer of hope through a Jaden Sewer, um, through Jaden Sewer with five to go. But the Cowboys skipped away again and ended up winning 31 to 12. The Saints were really poor. Um, they only completed 27 out of 40 sets. They had 42 missed tackles and 15 errors. Um, the Cowboys' defence is the NRL's best. It is absolutely superb. And that's what makes me think that like they're the real deal here. Actually, it's built on defence, not built on um, not built on attack, right? So that's that. come semi-final time, I think that style of footy is going to help them more. Uh, and the spine of Reese Robson, Scott Drinkwater at fullback, Tom Dearden, Chad Townsend in the halves. Just singing, isn't it? 13. It's, it's working. It's just brilliant. The only blight for them is um, it looks like uh, Lukey may have picked up a knee injury and they don't know how serious that is. Hopefully not serious. The only other point I want to make is Zach Lomax has lost his bloody mind out there. Yeah, I know. What, what was with the flick pass? What is going on? Just the, the flick passes, the no-look passes, the running, the poor options. Like, there's something not right in his head the way he's playing. Like, And he's doing it week after week. He needs a spell as well. He's a bit... It's it's not that the talent's not there. It's the it's the decision making. It's re, it's basically he's like George Costanza. Every decision he's making is wrong. <laughs> he needs to do the opposite of everything he thinks he should do. I know we're talking about the flick pass, and I took notes on it. Not, bec- not because you know I'm a flare flare guy. I love players that try that stuff. But no, it wasn't even on. Like actually, no, it wasn't on. It wasn't on. It's one of these things where I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? Um, but I thought, look, I thought the Cowboys, again, continue to play expansive football. I thought the Dragons had a lot of the ball, but they couldn't piece their defence. Like you say, they no, really struggled. The defence is really good. 14-nil uh, down, and then there was an obstruction against the Dragons to, to stop a try. And then from there, instead of it being 14-6, it went, they were 20-nil because Neem went straight through and found Robson backing up under the post. And the game was pretty much over. I mean, like, then second half, down 20-nil. But then first play, pretty much, first couple of sets after second half, Lomax throws that stupid pass, and then Tuolangi picks it up and scores, and that was game over. And they pretty much just stalled after that. Is he trying to win the game off every play? I don't, I don't quite get it, what's going on. There's something, again, we say this, we say this after Origin every year with Saints. Just psychologically, something's going on down there. I'm not sure Anthony Griffin's the right coach, as I've said many times before, for them. Cowboys have got mobility in the middle of the field, I think, and they've got mobility on the fringe with their back rowers, and Dearden, Drinkwater, and Townsend can all kick. Teams don't know if Drinkwater's going to kick, if it's going to be Dearden, or if it's going to be Townsend. They've got three playmakers essentially running at the line constantly, and so they're hard to stop in attack as well, and their defense, like you say, has improved significantly. It was a very dominant win, and, you know, the Dragons did have some ball, but just couldn't do anything with it at all. I thought the, a very easy win. Let's move on to Super Saturday then. Um, oh, just a shout-out to Ruben, the Dragons. A, a debut at 29. So, Tim, you know what? I think yeah, the Eagles might him. still... I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to do when you're 29, so good, good on him. I don't, and, think the, I don't think the Eels are going to give me a debut at 43, <laughs> G. Mate, after today's game, anything's possible. Yeah, we were terrible. Although we did make you look like um, the Canberra team from the, from the late 90s. Brett yeah, Mullins, Laurie Daly. 
Uh, Jake Avarillo looked like Brett Mullins out there, anyway. He absolutely did. All right, let's move on to Super Saturday. There were three yes. games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and then one, obviously, on Queen's birthday. So, first up, it was the Titans versus Souths. AJ got his 150th try. Amazing. To move into the top 15 all-time. He's only 27. Yes, yes. Um, we thought, Ken, you know, a lot of league followers think that Ken Irvine's record's untouchable at 212 tries. He only needs three or four more seasons, I reckon, and he's going to get it. He got a hat-trick in this game, and he and, and just that left edge is... Cody Nikarima's made a big difference to that side, right? And he's Because he's taken the pressure off Lachlan Ilias, right? Yes, so correct. It's, it's been really noticeable. Um, for the Titans, I thought Greg Marju and Tino were the best. Again, it's the Titans' ninth loss in ten games. Tino will bust, really. But, yeah, well, Marju was good too in this game. Yeah, right? he did have a good uh, game, Marju. Yeah, Souths led 12-4 at halftime after AJ opened the scoring, and then Jackson Paulo conceded one after a bad miss on Marju, but then he made up for it by scoring at the other end. Yeah, but it was all Souths in the second half, running in three tries and never looking challenged. The Titans had equal possession. This is your point earlier yes. in the week before, right? There was a few games like this. They had equal possession, less missed tackles, less errors, a better completion rate, and conceded less penalties but still lost. The issue is the spine. They don't have a proper hooker. No, they the don't. Halves, in terms of Sexton and Brimston, and Brimston are not competent. They're young, they're green, and Jaden Campbell's out. So, and Jermaine Asako's not it, right? So, so the spine is a real problem for the Titans. Absolutely. And, and that's why... So they're going back to trying to play this tight footy, but the problem is they're not doing anything with the footy. No, they're so not. They've, they've, they've become the exact opposite of the team they were. Um, yes, exactly. Souths are coming together well, and as I mentioned earlier, Cody Nikarima has been good for Ilias and good for that side. So Souths got up thirty to sixteen. What do you think of this one? I think you summed it up quite well. I mean, one thing I did pick up is Tom Burgess has played two hundred games for Souths, and I actually had no idea he's played that many games. It's ten seasons, right? Yeah, but you don't realise like shit, he's been around for a long time and he's played quite a lot of games. Um, yeah. So look, congratulations! He's one of Souths' all-time highest appearance leaders, but. I'd like to. I'd like to see the stats on um, if he's the all-time leader on dropped ball too. He probably would come close to it. I think it was good to see Paul Turner finally get a little bit of a run in first grade. But like you say, he's green, he's fresh, he's been a star in the lower grades. But again, he's unfit out there, and that side of the defence where Jackson Paul always really struggled with Turner, Marju. And um, Kelly, I think, out there on the wing. And Jermaine Asako, in defence, honestly was pathetic. Well, even in attack he was. I mean, he's just terrible. His head's not in the game. Um, and you, you really rely on your fullback to sort of help you out, like you say. And if your spine's not working, your fullback's got to do something. Again, the Titans played a sort of grid and grind. They were sort of in the game, but they were never, you could tell, they were never going to win. And AJ, once that left-hand side of defence started to work, mate, um, attack... They just went at them, and Campbell Graham was carving them up on the other side with a couple of rookies. And it was just a matter of how much Souths were going to win by, really. And, um, yeah, mate, I, a very easy win, even though it looked like it was a close game. But I thought Souths were never going to be troubled. And, you know, they won in the end quite comfortably. Yeah, I think even Eason Masters really struggled to adjust on the wing, on the left. And then he's got AJ on him and Cody Walker. I don't, I don't, a... think, I don't think Eason's a full a first grader in current form. And current. He's not. He's not. His, bo- his body's out of shape. He's just, he's just, he had a lot of potential when he came through. He just, he might, he might benefit from, you know, a really strong New South Wales Cup run. 
Or Queensland Cup. Queensland Cup. They're struggling at the moment. It's and that's yeah. it. And um, the one thing is Dan Ganane committed heresy by saying that Cody Nikarima's kicking looked ugly, but they were effective. I don't think they were just brilliantly sh- struck and curved the right way with the wind. Great conversions, Cody. I th- they were, but I think Dan Ganane's right, and you're wrong. So the the, the best two games. <laughs> I look, I think what you said is right. The pressure's off Lockley and Ilias now too, which yeah, is yeah. good. So it's looking more... I, I told you this would be a really important signing for South's Nikarima. Um, the next... And, and of course, South's, if they complete above 70 or 80%, they win every game. If they can hold on to the ball because they of score. the attacking flirt, they score, right? So, all right. The next two games on Super Saturday were actually the best two games of the round. And yes. And Roosters versus Storm was fantastic. The Storm got up 26-18. And what a debut for Swansea Jr. Grant Anderson who was plucked from New South Wales Cup. He scored two, nearly had a hat-trick, and had two line breaks. And But I actually thought the Roosters were the better team for much of this game. But the Kiri concussion um, and Sam yeah. Walker, HIA, hurt them. Um, I'll be interested in your thoughts on the Kiri concussion and what that means for him. It was an eventful game. Felici Kafusi had a... Was it a dog shot or an accident? So there's two questions I've got for you when I throw to you. Usually I say it's accidental, but when Felici Kafusi's involved, I don't... Well, he got fined, so the NRL definitely found him guilty, right? They definitely found him guilty, and he's appealing it. He's not taking the fine. So it could be dangerous. Anyway. Hey, you've been allowed to maim people for 10 years. Why is, what's wrong with this? Well, I mean, it's very controversial. And what, is this, what does the concussion mean for Luke Keary now? I hope it my, means my, my, we my still gut feel see is he's him. Done. My gut feel is he's done. Well, this is the thing. He's had severe problems with concussion. He's a great kid, great player. But you know what, T? Like you say, how many more concussions does it take for you to say, okay, I actually need to give and it a rest. And the Roosters will take care of him. They'll, they'll put him. They'll give him an off-field role and all that. And I stuff. hope so, but I, I think it's a real problem. You don't want him to, you know, sacrifice his future to play. And you know, you're a kid at that age. You know, you want to play. You don't want to give it up. You love your footy, but you know, for his health, either way, I hope he comes back and does, makes the right decision, whether it's to continue to play because it isn't as bad, or he actually has to give it away because it's he, he can't sustain any more concussions. It's sad because he's, he's a lovely player to watch, but his health has got to come first. And as much as it's easy for me to say that sitting on the sideline, you know, without being involved, so... That's right. And he's got to follow the medical advice, right? Yes, so, absolutely. Anyway, in this game, the Roosters scored first after a great Joey Manu flick pass sent Suali over. Yeah, he, great pass, earlier, great had, finish. He had, he has, he's just been superb, Suwali, in particular his defence, and we'll talk about a tackle coming up. Grant Anderson then struck back for the Roosters off a brilliant Kafusi offload, so he does do some brilliant things, Felici Kafusi, as well as some not-so-good things. Um, and then Suwali performed one of, the best ta- one of the tackles of the season when Jerome Hughes looked like he was going to um, score, um, and that was a brilliant tackle, and he just really ran into the contact heavily and then held up Jerome Hughes. And then some Sam Walker magic... Um, struck back for the Roosters with a grubber and regather to score. Meany then put Seve over to make a 12-10 to the Roosters at halftime. Um, before halftime, Kiri got his concussion. He was ruled out for the rest of the game. Suwali held up Meany and Manu had a try disallowed. Um, the Storm were lucky only to be not to be behind by more. They were only behind by two points, but I thought the Roosters dominated the first half. Early in the second half, the team swapped tries in the opening minutes. Um, First, through the storm through Seve to get his double, uh, and they took the lead through that try, and then Tupanua to regain it for it, the Roosters. But the Storm came home best, and they just they the Storm won this in the last twenty minutes. But I think the Roosters would feel like this was quite they they put up quite an effort. They had Sam Walker out for fifteen minutes. They had Kiri ruled out for fifty minute five zero minutes. Um, they dominated the game. They lacked it lacked a bit of, bit of polish in finishing off. Um, but I just thought. 
they could take a lot away from it. They would feel unlucky. I thought they were the better team for 60 minutes, but the Storm came in over the top. What did you think of this one? I don't think I can sort of add anything more to your summation. I thought the Roosters played quite well. Again, I thought they were missing a little bit of thrust here and there. And I think, honestly, the difference was, as well as the injuries, you know, you get Sam Walker out and Luke Keery, they're losing their playmaking. So I think that hampered their attack, obviously. But I think defensively they were quite solid. But the tries at times, there were just a few lapses here and there. And Melbourne, when they had those opportunities, they scored. So they, they scored probably more points than they ordinarily would during the game because... They took all their half chances. It was good to see Anderson get a debut. And, man, this is Melbourne. They just pluck guys from anywhere and they score. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, you know, there was a couple of lucky. Like Nick Meany, the first try to Anderson, was lucky. Nick Meany got that away and it just landed in Confuci. Like a half chance that turned into tries. You know, Marion Seve, some of his hard running created some of these opportunities. He, he was sensational, I thought, in attack as well. And Kafusi scored a try that the Roosters ordinarily wouldn't let in. You know, just through the middle of the defence there, they sort of ran out of puff a bit. But I thought the Roosters were unlucky not to win the game. They just couldn't quite finish the Storm off. And the Storm T just had enough class to score their tries when they had opportunities to do so. So they were quite clinical, is what I'd say. They didn't waste the possession and chances they had. And I think that was the difference. Let's move on to the other, another great game on Saturday, and that was the Broncos versus Raiders. The Broncos got up 24-18. The Broncos were brave. They got injuries to Payne Haas, Adam Reynolds, and Herbie the love bug. Um, and it was season-ending for Herbie. His pec needs surgery. Um, there wasn't much defence in the first half with six tries scored. Back and, the, and forth? Yeah, you're back and forth. But the Raiders did well to fight back after each Broncos try. Um, and they didn't have the lead at all in the first half until just before halftime when Adam Elliott scored and Jamal Fogarty converted to make it um, 18-16 at halftime. Um, but the Raiders again faded um, in the second half and Herbie's second try just after halftime and then Adam Reynolds' penalty was enough to win it for the Broncos. Um, the Raiders were again scoreless in the second half and the Raiders' right edge defence um, was really poor with um, Manu and Herbie... Oh, sorry, uh, Ma- Ezra Mam. Ezra Mam and Herbie getting two down that side. So it was three tries down that side. So they, they need to work on their right edge defence, which um, is a problem. But the, but their, their, their scrambling defence is really, really yes. good at the moment. But um, they, they again, they faded in the second half. If, you, if you've seen one Raiders game, you've seen them all. What did you think of this one? I thought it was good. a good game to watch in the first half. It was like, you know, punch, counter-punch, punch, counter-punch. I thought Ezra Mam adds a fair bit extra to the Broncos. Um, because I, I, think, I think he could be a rep player in future. He could be the one that replaces DCE when DCE retires from rep 40 at 50. And he gives him speed and footwork on the fringe, right? He's a lot quicker than Tyson Gamble. Defensively, he's not too bad. Um, Brenko Lee did what Brenko Lee does best, palm people off and then set up um, his wing, outside winger for a try, which was good for the Broncos. And I thought Fogarty made a difference and Kotrich was, Kotrich was quite solid. Really? Sorry, 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 can you say that Kotrich, again? Kotrich, Kotrich. I, I thought it was great to see the Raiders fight back whenever they went behind. They never sort of let their heads drop. And the try they scored before halftime to hit the lead was fantastic. Great offloading, playing off the the second phase and really looking to attack and it was a great try good defense by Brisbane but eventually ran out of troops and that gave them the lead and I thought they might go on with it because they weathered the Broncos storm but made in the second half the Broncos started to come at them from a little bit deeper and with pace and I don't think that right hand side of defense could cope the the try that Farnworth scored was all depth and direct Ezra Mam Reynolds and then Tamari Martin who's been sensational for Brisbane putting Herbie away and scoring and then the Broncos held on until the end of the game. So I thought the Broncos 
Dude, they look really good. And Corey Jensen added a lot through the middle with good footwork and agility as well as Carrigan. So he sort of stepped up when Payne Haas went off. I thought the Broncos were excellent. They're looking really good. They've got a lot of firepower. And if the defense holds, they kind of got a little bit of the attack that can beat a lot of teams. I agree. They've won eight in a row now, the Broncos. Yeah, good win. Good win. All right. So the next three games we'll do relatively quickly because they yes. were absolute blowouts on, on Sunday. Yes. Um, the Tigers versus Manly. Manly got up 30-4. to four. Um, Brett Kamali's first game in charge. Robbie Farrell was, is now being promoted to assistant. It was a really poor first half with lots of execution errors by both teams. And Manly in particular misdirection in the kicking game of DCE. He was ruled out before the game. It was an arm wrestle in the first half and Manly led 6-4 at halftime. In the second half, the Tigers' defence completely capitulated, especially... Th- through the ruck, um, and Oluwakatu um, absolutely dominated. Um, and and he, he's another one who ruled himself out of origin because he wants to play for his nation. Um, he, he, Oluwakatu had an absolute barnstorming game. It was one of the best games of the season. Um, Brent Naden was sent off. This will be the controversial. He's gonna. It was a bad spear tackle on Gerbo. He will get, on Jake Trevojevic, he will get many, many weeks for that. Um, and given, given the current... Suspensions being handed out by the NRL might just be a fine, but it was it was sixteen four at that point, and Manly ran in two tries afterwards. But really, the game was over after the send off. Um, Josh Aloia got scored two, and dominated through the middle. And Ruben Garrick and and Toletau Kula were amongst Manly's bets. Yeah, what did you think of this one? Um, good to see Kula start to sort of settle himself down in first grade. He's got some power and really good speed and agility. So some of his his try was fantastic. Um, so they've got a bit of a weapon there, Manly, which is awesome. I thought the Tigers started off really fast and really played up-tempo footy, probably the Kamali influence. But, you know, they had a couple of chances where they could have scored and it just didn't go their way, T. And I think once Manly scored, Manly was sloppy in the first half. Um, the Tigers had their try disallowed, one of the kicks that sort of didn't bounce their way, otherwise it would have scored. And once Aloi went straight through the middle and scored and Manly got ahead, I thought the Tigers slowly started to fade out of the game. It was like a slow burn. And the second half of the Manly just... They tried in the first half, but it was just a shit game in the second first half. Second half, Manly just dominated a couple of good tries, but that was it. It was just became an easy procession, really, in the second half. And I thought um, Manly were really good. Uh, Garrick was really good as well. And Aloi was, well, appeared dominant in the middle, but I thought at time the Tigers were a bit soft. But good start. So it'll be interesting to see how Kim Morley plays with these with these kids. So, yeah, good win against this Manly. Another win. All right. All right. The next game was the Channel 9 game. It was the Knights versus the Panthers. Yep. Uh, what is there to say about this game? The Panthers <laughs> and Roger Ramjet, along with Brian Tyro, dominated again. You know what? God bless the Knights fans. When you are down 42-0 and you score a try at the end and you still hear a massively loud cheer, that's fantastic support, I have to say. So Roger Ramjet and Brian Toa dominated. Ivan Cleary missed the game because of a knee injury and Cam Sheraldo coached. Um, the Panthers were up 26-0 at halftime and won the second half 16-6 without trying. It was 42-0 before the Knights scored, as you said. Yep. Um, and there was 21,332 yes. in attendance. Yeah, Good on you, Knights fans. You guys are the soul of the earth. Yes. Um, the Panthers' left edge absolutely decimated Paul Milford, <laughs> Tuala and Edric Lee. Oh, no. and they just they were clutching at air like the whole game. And Brian Tyler had a feel. Oh, there's nothing more to say. They just blew them off the park. The scary thing for, for Knights fans is Adam O'Brien's now talking about a rebuild. He's saying the things that are wrong with the club have been there for 20 years and will require a long time to fix. He's been their coach for three years. 
This is actually really bad for the Knights fans. So they peaked in seventh position and now they're going to rebuild. What does that mean for Kalen Ponga? Do they have the juniors coming through? There is a lot of questions based on that press conference from Adam O'Brien after the game. I, I don't propose we go through the game here, G. We don't need to. On it. I mean, T, what am I going to say other than, you know, like you say, th- thank the Knight fan- Knights fans for turning up in force and still supporting their team with two minutes to go, five minutes to go, but... Really, the Panthers just blew them off the park. Like, just blew way, way, way too good. It was a very, very dominant performance. The Knights just... You just can't go with them. Couldn't go with them at all. Speaking of dominant performances, the next two were very dominant as well. One of them was a surprise. Um, Sunday night game, uh, 6 o'clock kickoff, was Stacey Jones' first game in charge of the Warriors. Yeah. And the, War- yeah. the Warriors actually came out of the blocks they, fast. They did. Reese Walsh and Wade Egan to lead 12-0 after 12 minutes. But this only made the Sharks angry. It was like a wrestling match. <laughs> And well, the whole proceeded... code, should we even yeah, use whole code? Correct, yeah, correct, correct, correct. And they proceeded to run in eight tries in 62 minutes, with Katoa getting a hat-trick, Mulatalo a double, and one each to Talakai, Moylan, and Kennedy. The Warriors did have a magic moment in what is a contender for the best put-down in rugby league history, with Dallin Wateni Zalesniak soaring through the air and cavorting his body to score. It was, magic it was the flowing locks as well. Doing the whole superhero look. And if Nick, Nico Hines could kick, it would have been 48 to 16, which better reflected the performance of the two teams. What did you think of this one? It was a great start by the Warriors. I thought they, it was a great start. they were enthusiastic right. and I thought, shit, you know, I wonder what's going to happen with the Sharks. And then from there on in, the Sharks just tore them apart. I thought, you know who I thought their best player was? I thought Matt Moylan took over the game and he was popping Matt up Moylan's everywhere. Matt Moylan's playing so well. He was. So well. He was the conductor out there and once the Sharks got behind and he started to get his hands on the ball and popped up on both sides of the field. And then the Warriors just fell away. Like they just got blown away <laughs> off the field. And nothing much happened after that, which is, other than there were tennis Zelezniak put down, I mean, it was just an, a very one-sided game with you know gaps appearing everywhere and... Moylan and the team exploiting them, really. I think th- these are the games where the Sharks need to win to get back on track and get their confidence back up to where it was at the beginning of the season. So, um, poor start, but good finish and good win. All right, shall we move on to the Queen's birthday game? Yes. Um, and, and Bulldogs Hour is going to be a happy moment for you. And I'm actually Ashton watching as... a victory song. I can't believe this. You guys absolutely... And, and for those of you that have been listening to this podcast, you will get this reference after the week G's had. You guys absolutely tore us a new asshole, which is currently <laughs> ironic because G currently has two assholes. So Para got absolutely killed. The dogs were superb. But I will say we did contribute to this loss by making you guys look like the 2007 Melbourne Storm. You or did. The early 90s Canberra Raiders. The Eels were very, very poor, but I don't want to take away from the fact that the... Actually, you guys have been building up to this. The second half against the Panthers last week, you played really well this week. I think good on you. It was a six tries to one performance. Yes. 34-4 win. Matt Burton was absolutely bloody superb continuing his form. Josh Adokar got a hat-trick, and again, he's got to be in the State of Origin team. He has to be. Bad miss. Um, Jake Caraz looks like a real player, right? Athletic, tall, and you know what I like about him? He's got a little bit of um, fire about him. He's determined. You know those players that they're kind I of... Agree. You know, like they, 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 it matters to them. Like he, He's got a little bit of that. He's a bit of the um, Katoni Stags. Not that angry, but yeah, he's a little bit of that... No one's that angry. No one's that angry. <laughs> no. no one's that angry. 
So Katoti Staggs is like um, AB's brother. <laughs> he is. He's, he's, <laughs> correct, he, correct. I love him, but yeah, but he's got a little bit of that in him, you know. So um, and 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 Avarillo was great at fullback. He took that intercept off um, Regan Campbell Gillard yep. as well, and he was just great from fullback. Just a superb performance for the Eels, though. I do want to mention a couple of things. They only completed thirty-one of forty-two sets. Yes, um, they had twenty-two missed tackles and made eleven errors. So it wasn't. It, you know what? They just didn't show up. It just felt to me like they didn't show up. I want to ask you a question. Like I'm obviously happy because this is actually, I would you say, one of our it. best you performances in three years. I've got to fucking give me. No, happy no, you about deserved something. it. You absolutely deserved it. And can I just tell you the other thing is why wouldn't you have Mick Potter as your coach? Mick Potter actually has been a very good lower grade coach, and actually at the Tigers had there was some signs that things were going well, but but it was the boardroom shit. There that was boardroom that, shit that yeah. was going on in the background. Not only that, and he didn't get along with Robbie Fowler and bloody Benji Marshall. Yeah, I know that didn't help. That's what I meant by some of the politicking. It's like Robbie Farrow was Robbie yeah, Farrow was the power there, right? Yeah, they were like like those guys like Benji now this you know statesman of the game and stuff. This is not how they ran the Tigers after 2005. No, and Mick Potter had good results, I'm pretty sure, at the Dragons and the Dogs in the lower grades. So, you know, he's obviously can coach. He seems like a bit of a Steve Georgialis that way. And I like the way he's changed their football. The players are playing with a bit more confidence. And it might be just because, you know, he's got nothing to lose. But they're playing with a lot more... um, confidence in attack and he's freed up some of the players now Matt Burden is willing to kick early like a monster to a Addo car you never saw that before so I think that's given them a different look for some of these teams I think the enthusiasm's there we do have some strike Avarillo's added this is his best position it always has been to, he's a runner and he's more of an instinctive player than he is a you know guide the team around the field so it's playing to his strengths like you say Carraz I think's added a fair bit and Flanagan's playing with a bit more confidence. You know, he's not brilliant, but he's playing like he, he belongs a little bit, you know. The one thing I want to ask you, though, about Para is, I mean, yes, we played well, but we kind of blew you off the park. Like, is that just, was it purely just Para thought, you know, we're going to turn up here and we're going to win this game? I mean... But there's two Paras. If you ask the Para fans, like if you read the forums and the internets and all that yeah. sort of stuff, there's two Paras. There's Paras that show up, there's a Parramatta that shows up against West Tigers and the Bulldogs yes. this week, and there's a Parramatta that shows up against Melbourne and the Panthers. Oh, very stark contrast. Yeah, that emotional can't-get-up-for-the-game type thing. And that's why they can't win it. They're not as clinical as, as some of these other teams. I think that's a fair point, and I, I know I've talked about it before where I always feel like they're a bit of a... They, they ride an emotion and a bit of... Uh, you know, But that's hard to do in the semis even when you're playing three weeks in a row. It's hard to get up emotionally every week unless you're used to playing that way often. Sure, so think, but, but, but but how come Storm can do it and Panthers can do it? I don't know. But, uh, you know, as a one-off, if, if Parra just had a one-off game for a grand final, for example, would I pick them? I'd actually be pretty confident they could beat the Storm and the Panthers. But as a one-off, I don't know if they can win two or three of those games in the semis at the same time. But disappoint, I'm, I'm elated that they won. That's probably been our best win for a couple of years. And Parra's a good side, but disappointing... Looking at Parra, I think, like you say, it was one of these games where I think they were emotionally down and thought they would turn up and win the game. And they got blown away. I'm actually surprised, but whether we win or lose, we're playing a little bit more enterprising footy. And I think it's it's better to watch. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching some of the games, whether we win or lose. And I think that's a big change. And kudos to to Mick Potter for um, bringing that in. So Yeah, great job. Great job, Bulldogs. I don't, oh, you know what? You know, I know we've got this rivalry, but it's been so long for the Bulldogs, and and just just a great performance. We were terrible. We, there's no, I, I'm as an Eels supporter, I'm not. 
You know, you know, I'm not necking myself on this. No, you chalk it as what one of those games to you where it's well, like, you well, know well, what? Well, one of those games, and actually, I've actually come to the realisation that I don't think we're as good as everyone's rating us. I, I do think you guys have had a lot of injuries in and out, which I don't think has helped. I am going to check with Mrs. T. I think I want to go to the Eels-Roosters uh, game next week. I don't know whether you're interested in going to that, 7.30 at Bankwest. Maybe. I'll have to let you know during the week, um, but I think and that'll you, be a we, good we game. Invite, we should invite Cutler, who's a... Uh, who's, uh, Rooster's fan as well, see if he wants to go to the game. Great win. I wanted to give you your head on this one. You deserve, it's been a long, long, long couple of seasons. Uh, I can't. It's been a long, it has been a long couple of seasons and it's a good win. We got a good win early in the season too, which is great. Not once it's over, but Eels, I think like you say, maybe one of those chalk it off, one of those emotional you losses. You know what? You're, you're magnanimous in loss and um, in victory, G. That's what I like about you. Unlike Action, who's a douchebag <laughs> either way. <laughs> he had brothers, I didn't, I had sisters. So, yeah, I, you, you know, you can tell actions. You can tell, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like his passion, I love his passion. It's great. great, great win. And, um, Eels, look, I, I'll wait and see how the Eels go to And, and in fairness to action, I deserve it. You do, absolutely, <laughs> you do. <laughs> absolutely, I deserve Bloody it. hell. Um, the, the one thing for me, mate, is you know, wait towards the end of the season and see how the Eels go once I got everyone back. But to be honest, there, it's the Panthers or just far out, god, team of the week, mate. Bloody hell, dominant. But the Broncos right. are honestly been impressive. All right, can we get, move on to yes. round 15, G? Yes, please, let's, let's absolutely. Let's bring this marathon pod to a close. Absolutely. All right, round 15 um, preview for the NRL. First up on Thursday night, it's the Saints versus Souths. Souths are $1.54 favourites. Saints are $2.50 outsiders. Saints have a four and a half point start. Um, I'm tipping Souths with this one, but although I think this might be closer than people think because it's at Wynn Stadium. On a Thursday night, it's going to be cold and windy. It doesn't help. It's it's freaking cold down there with the breezes yeah, flying off the, yeah. the I'm, ocean. I'm tipping Souths because I think they're just playing better and I think there's something wrong at Saints, but it wouldn't surprise me if they caused the boil over here. Okay. I, look, I think I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs only because I think, like you say, they've They've adjusted a few things, and they're a little bit more consistent with their attack during some of these games. If they hold on to the ball, I think they'll have a bit too much for the Dragons. Now, Dragons, whilst they're close to winning, they're a little bit off at times, and I don't. I, I think the Rabbits win, but I'm expecting the Dragons to make it a close one. They played well at win this year, but Rabbitohs for me. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Friday night yep. double. Oh, good game. Um, and for, yeah, first up is Manly versus Cowboys. Cowboys are $1.65 favourites. Manly are $2.25 outsiders even though they're at four points park and they have two and a half point start. I don't know who I'm going to tip as yet. This is a hard game because Manly hard has... Game. Yeah, man, look, Manly's played two poor teams. If it, if it was been played in Townsville, I would have picked Cowboys. Yep. Manly, Manly thrashed both teams they've played, but they, both teams have been pretty poor, the, the Warriors and the Tigers. I'm tipping the Cowboys because I just think, God, they're playing really, really well. This is a very tough game to pick. I'm tipping the Cowboys purely because I think you've convinced me their defence is a lot better and obviously statistically as well, but they'll have a little bit too much firepower, I think, for the Eagles. But it'll be a close one. Close one. Um, and I, I, wonder, I wonder why that's being played early, Chad. How did Foxtel get that one? Don't know. It's, a, it's a because, oh, because of the Storm and the Broncos. Because the next game... Yeah, it's the yes. Storm and the Broncos. They get the Melbourne, <laughs> yes. Sydney and Brisbane TV ratings. Yes. So, actually, I, I actually think the... The Foxtel's got the two best games of the week, which is the, the Eels, Roosters, and the Manly Cowboys. Anyway, Friday night game um, on Channel 9 is Storm versus the Broncos. It's in Melbourne. Um, Storm are $1.15 favourites. Broncos are $5.50 outsiders. Uh, the Broncos have 17.5 points start. I am tipping the 
Storm. Okay, I am tipping the Storm T. I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's a real test for Brisbane. But the Storm are pretty much at full strength now. But this is going to be a great game. It'll be good to see where the Broncos stand. I'm tipping the Storm because they're the Storm, basically. And Munster and Hughes are back and, you know, building their combos with Nick Meany and Harry Grant. All right. The, ne- the first game on Super Saturday. Can we call him Dirty Cavusi? Dirty Cavusi, is that? Dirty Harry. Dirty, dirty yeah, Felici. Dirty, dirty, dirty Felici, okay. Yeah. So, or we can call him Clint. Yes, Clint Kafusi, go. Clint Kafusi. All right, first up on Super Saturdays, the Sharks versus the Titans. The Sharks are are the $1.25 favourites. Titans are $4 outsiders and have 12.5 points start. This game's being played at Coffs Harbour. Despite that, I'm going to tip the Sharks because the Titans are, what's the word I'm looking for? Shit, basically. That's the word I'm looking for, that's right. I think the Titans are now officially last on the ladder. They are officially last, believe it or not. Um, They've just gone through such a, a poor run and the Sharks I think you know got a bit of a kick in the bum against the Warriors and they'll be too good for the Titans just, yeah, just Titans defensively the yeah. they got yeah. Hulkamania from the Sharks you need a couple of people from the Shire with the blonde hair flowing blonde locks but Sharks way too good for the Titans just defensively can't hold them out alright so so next game on Super Saturday is the Warriors versus Panthers the Warriors I don't know what they need to do to get home uh, but they're still in they're still in Australia <laughs> they're playing at Redcliffe Stadium they're $10 outsiders against the Panthers. The Panthers are $1.05 favourites, and they have 23.5 points start. The Panthers will win this in a canter. The Penrith's going to win. It's just a matter of... Um, and they're right at Redcliffe, not the Gold Coast. So they're not going out the night before. So uh, the Panthers by plenty. It's they're by way, plenty. Too, way too good. Yeah, all right. And the last game on Super Saturday, the game we were talking about but at a Combag Stadium that I think we will go to, and we'll get cuts along as well, is the Eels versus the Roosters to replay the Magic Round game. The Eels are $1.80 favourites. The Roosters are $2 outsiders. The Roosters have one and a half points start. Luke Keary clearly won't be playing in the halves. I am going to tip my Eels. I'm going to put it down to it was just an off day against the Bulldogs. And Brad Arthur will absolutely flog them during the week. I'm with you. I actually expect the Eels to bounce back because the performance was so poor today that I think it's one of those bounce back games. And this isn't overthinking it. I think they're going to get a Brad, Brad Arthur during the week. And I think they'll come up fired up the Eels. And I, I think they'll be on because it's the Roosters as well. So I'm going to tip yeah, the Eels. Yeah, well, and the Magic Round thing, right? So, all right. Let's move on to the two games on Sunday. The first is at 2 o'clock at GIO Stadium. It's the Raiders versus the Knights. The Raiders are $1.28 favourites, and the Knights are $3.75 outsiders. The Knights have 10.5 points start. The Raiders have been playing really tough and really well. I think the Raiders will get this one. I think the Raiders have been playing pretty well. I think their form's increased significantly in the last five or six weeks, and I'm tipping the Raiders to beat the Knights this week. I think they'll beat them. They're a little bit too good for them for Newcastle. And the last game of the round is the Blockbuster Channel 9 game. Uh, yes, it is. The Bulldogs, the Bulldogs is. are starting favourites, dollar seventy-seven. I can't believe this. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. And the Tigers have one and a half point start. Given your last game and a half, I can only see the Bulldogs winning this. The Bulldogs are going to beat them and turn the the Leichhardt Oval um, result around. I think this win against the Eels would really give them a lot more confidence for an eighty-minute performance. And I'm tipping the Bulldogs for the, probably the, I think first or second time this year. I'm expecting us to actually win, but looking forward to a good game. All right, now G is cutting out. We've lost him from the pod, so I will have to uh, close this off once again from both G and I. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. Regular service will be resumed this week. But otherwise, thank you for listening. Um, hope G will get stitches into his second asshole and we will be with you again next week. Take care.